One of the discussions occasionally I have with people that I know, family, when we get together is, let's share the happiest moment of our life, an event that occurred that, like, brought more joy into our life than any other event that we had. We were, think about it, we could say, well, if we're married, uh, when we got married, or when our first child came, or when you graduated from high school or college, whatever it was, as I thought about it, kind of a funny one, and I think it would be the point at which I asked Patty, my wife, on our first date, and she said yes. I really didn't think she would because she was like the most popular girl on the college campus I attended, and I was the least popular boy, at least the least known. I was pretty timid. I was a farm boy. I just worked, milked cows, and and played sports and went to school, and so I really didn't think I had a chance because there were quite a few guys who invited her out that she said no to. And so when I said, hey, would you like to go on a date with me? And we go hear this, uh, the name of the music group was the We Three Trio at a church. And she said, I'd love to go with you. I mean, like, wow, bells went off. I just felt so overwhelmed with happiness and joy. I was like, yeah, she said yes. And then there were lots of other cool things, but that one's probably the most memorable. And your notes... Uh, We're created by God to be happy. He made us that way. And in fact, God's made us in such a way that we have an infinite capacity for joy. We feel a level of joy. We can feel more. We can always feel more uh, joy in our life. And we like being happy. We want to be happy. It's the most important thing to any individual is to be happy, to be full of joy. Number two, you know, it's eternal life with Jesus will be an experience of ultimate joy and happiness. And so he gives us that invitation always, live with him forever. And why? Well, because it's the ultimate in joy. I like to think of what it'll feel like the first five minutes, what I will see, feel. I'm going to ask for a mirror when I get to heaven, first minute, and look and see what I look like. I'm, wow, you're a handsome dude. Yeah, finally, huh? And uh, people say to me this morning, wow, you look good in your suit. I don't know what I'm going to have when I get to heaven, but I'm going to look way better. And uh, I'm going to see Jesus, and I'm going to have a new body, and I'm going to be able to fly, and I won't have any aches and pains. And what I'm really excited about is my thinking. I'm going to be able to think with no sin nature, with no restrictions, with no physical limitations. I'm going to think, the Bible says, like Jesus. I'll have the mind of Christ. That's going to be an amazing experience in and of itself, just that first few seconds thinking, wow. My brain really works well up here, and it's going to be a great place to be. John 14, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. This line is the best in the Bible, that where I am, there you may be also. That where I am, there you may be also. Psalm 1611, in my presence, in your presence, is fullness of joy. In the presence of Christ is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forever. And that's going to be amazingly cool, that first experience. But you know the great thing is that when I get there, it's just going to get better. And it's going to get better. And I'm going to be there for a million, billion, zillion, quadrillion years, and it's just going to get better uh, as I'm in the presence. And that's my future Isaiah 51, 11, so the ransomed of the Lord, that's those of us who trust Christ as our Savior, will come with joyful shouting to Zion. That's when we get to be in his presence. Everlasting joy will be on their heads. They will obtain gladness and joy 
sorrow and sighing will flee away. Now, it's so outside our present ability to describe or understand that it's just incomprehensible, but it's mine, and I'm looking forward to that day. I'm a lot closer to it than a number of you are, and uh, so I'm not dreading. I'm not uh, at all uh, worried about getting cancer or getting sick or dying because that's going to usher me into eternity, and that's where I'm going to experience this joy forever. Number three, eternity separated from Jesus in the lake of fire will be the total absence of any joy. And so heaven is a place of ultimate joy, and the lake of fire will be a place of the total absence of joy. We live in a culture and a world that likes to ignore that last part and just kind of be naive about eternity and where we'll go, but the fact is more people are going to be separated from God forever than will be with Him forever because it's not a blank thing. He says, follow me, believe me, trust me, be in my family, follow me completely, and you'll be with me forever, but ignore me, trust in yourself, and uh, you won't be with me. Here's a description. Psalms 88, I'm reckoned among those who go down to the pit. I become like a man without strength, forsaken among the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave whom you remember no more. They're cut off from your hand. You have put me in the lowest pit, in dark places. It's going to be a place of total darkness, this place of being separated from God. In the depths, your wrath has rested upon me. You have afflicted me with all your waves. You have removed my acquaintances far from me. You have made me an object of loathing. You have removed my acquaintances. I was talking to a guy the other day. He said, I might as well go to hell. That's where my friends will be. I said, you know, it's not going to be a party when you get there. You have removed my acquaintances far from me. It's sort of like solitary confinement, total darkness, total aloneness. You have made me an object of loathing to them. I'm shut up, cannot go out. You've been there for a million years. You're just getting started. There's no parole. My eye has wasted away because of affliction. Revelation 20.10, the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are also... They will be tormented day and night forever and ever, tormented day and night forever and ever. Moving on to verse 15, if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, you get your name written in the book of life by saying, Jesus, you are my Savior. I trust you and you alone. You are Lord of my life and I'll follow you. I'll serve you. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. I have people say, well, a loving God wouldn't do that. A loving God sent Jesus, his son, to pay the price of our sin. And all we have to do is to say, I trust you, I believe in you, I'll follow you. That's it. Loving God has done everything necessary for us to live with him forever. But he is not a God who can wink at sin. It had to be paid for. And if we don't take the offer, then God has no choice but to separate us from him forever and ever and ever, a place with no joy, none whatsoever. Number four, the devil is the father of lies. He convinces the world to pursue things in this life with the goal of experiencing joy, but they don't work. They do just the opposite. People today, you know, you can ask individuals, what would it take to make you totally and completely happy? Oh, good job. Enough money, nice house, new car. None of that stuff works, but the world believes it does. Um... Those of you who are filling out in the blanks, if uh, I go too fast or the PowerPoint person 
advances more uh, too quick, just wave your arms frantically and I'll have them back up for you. I don't want you to be frustrated not getting everything filled in there. Um, Proverbs 14, 12, there's a way which seems right to a man, its end is the way of death. That's total death, spiritual death. John 8, 44, you are of your father the devil. You want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning, does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature. He is a liar and the father of lies. Matthew 7, 13, enter through the narrow gate. The gate is wide, the way is broad that leads to destruction, that leads to no joy. There are many, many, a lot of people enter through that gate. The gate is small, the way is narrow that leads to life, that leads to joy. And there are few, few who find it. The problem, number five, is that there are a lot of things that bring joy. A lot of things in life that bring joy for a little bit. I mean, I went fishing and caught a limited fish. I was pretty happy. Uh, the next day, I forgot about it. I bought a new car once in my life. It was kind of cool, but then it quit working. Uh, there's a lot of things that bring joy, but it doesn't last very long. They're temporary, diminishing in effect, and they tend to be addicting. That is, the next time you do the same thing to get joy, it takes a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more, and pretty soon it doesn't work at all, and then we become addicted to it. Hebrews 11:25, choosing rather to endure ill treatment this is speaking of Moses with the people of God rather than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Passing pleasures of sin. Did you know that sin's fun? Yeah, it is. That's why people do it. But it doesn't last. Passing pleasures, passing joy of sin, and it gets less and less, and it becomes addicting. Isaiah 21.4, My mind reels. Horror overwhelms me. The joy I long for has been turned in turned for me into trembling. The joy I longed for, I craved, it's been turned into trembling. Luke 12, 19, I will say to my soul, this is a rich dude, thought he had it together. Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, drink, eat, be merry. God said to him, you fool, this very night your soul will be required of you. Now who will inherit, will receive what you've worked so hard to get and that you're at the end of your life. Number six, God is the only source of real and lasting joy. So that is a bottom line principle. God created the worlds. He created the stars. He created the universe. He created you. He created every atom. God is almighty, infinite. God gives joy. He is the source of joy, and he can put it inside of me. He can fill me to the top of my head with joy. He's totally capable of doing that. Psalms 4, 7, you have put gladness in my heart. You, God, have put gladness in my heart more than when their grain and new wine abound. Is that possible? Is that something God can do? Put joy in my soul, my spirit, my mind? Sure he can. How about you? Can he do that for you? Who does he do it for? Maybe there's a big roulette wheel in the heavens and God spins it. Your name comes up. Okay, you're the lucky one. You get some joy today. Uh, how does he choose who he gives joy to? Psalms 5.11, But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Psalms 21.6, You make him most blessed forever. You make him joyful, joyful with gladness in your presence. 
Psalms 43, 4, then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, my exceeding joy. Upon the lyre I shall praise you, O God, my God. Psalms 51, 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Sustain me with a willing spirit. Psalms chapter 90, verse 14, O satisfy us in the morning with your loving kindness that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Be glad all our days, every day of our life. Psalms 92, 4, you, O Lord, have made me glad. You, O Lord, have made me glad. God gives joy. God gives happiness. God gives gladness. Number seven, God puts joy in us as a reward for right living. It's a reward that comes from him for following him, serving him, obeying him. Experiences are cool. Fishing is cool. New cars are cool, but they don't last. God gives joy that lasts for our life. And the thing about his joy is it doesn't go up and down based on circumstances in the events of our life. We feel the joy of God just as strongly on a rainy day as a sunny day. We feel the joy of God just as powerfully when we're feeling well as when we're sick. The joy of God rises above circumstances, and he gives it to those who serve him, who follow him, who please him, who obey him. Matthew 25, 21, Jesus is speaking here. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful slave. That's a person following Christ. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Enter into the joy of your master. He gives joy. He gives joy. Number eight, God gives joy to us. He also takes joy away from us. He is also the one who takes it away. I pastored 43 years now, and over those years, I've talked to a lot of very, very unhappy people. You know what these unhappy people do? Almost all of them? They blame their mother-in-law. Yeah. Well, maybe it's not their mother-in-law. Maybe it's their wife. Maybe it's their boss. Maybe it's their neighbor. Maybe it's their parents. Maybe there's, but there's always somebody that's out there that's the problem, that's the fault. The reason they're not feeling happy is because of them. And so I'm going to divorce my wife. I'm not happy. I'm going to divorce my husband. I'm not happy. I'm going to get a new job. I'm going to go here. I'm going to do this because those people out there, they're making me unhappy. So one of the things that's important for any individual that's pursuing joy, and we all ought to, is to understand that nobody makes me unhappy. Only I do by the choices I make because all joy comes from God, and God is the one who drains away the joy I change oil in my vehicles, and the other day I was going to change it in my pickup, and I drove it around to get the oil warm, and I have these little drive-up-on-ramps to drive it up on. The reason is because I'm too thick to fit under it <laughs> and to see what I'm doing. So I drive it up on top of there, and then I can take the oil filter off, and I can loosen this little plug and put a pan, and it all drains out, and put the plug back in, and I fill it full of oil. It's laying there on my back under there watching this oil drain out, and I thought, that reminds me of some people I know. Their joy is just drained out of them. There's nothing left. Just sadness, misery, depression. It's all drained away. Isaiah 16.10, gladness and joy are taken away. Gladness and joy are taken away from the fruitful field and the vineyards. Also, there will be no cries of joy or jubilant shouting. No treader treads out wine in the presses, for I have made the shouting to cease. That's God speaking. Isaiah 24, 11, all joy turns to gloom. The gaiety of the earth is banished. That's God who does that. Nine, God takes joy away from those who are proud, who think they can live their life without him and do their own thing. 
As I said, I see a lot of unhappy people, and it's not an accident, it's not arbitrary. It's those who say, I think I'll just live my life the way I want, and they forget God, put him on a shelf, they don't serve him, they don't follow him, they don't please him, and the result is they're unhappy, but it's always someone else's fault. James 4, 6, he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud. He fights against the proud. He takes away their joy. He gives grace to the humble. Number 10, those that are full of the joy that God gives are strong, positive. They have healthy self-worth. They're highly motivated. You know, when you have joy that comes from God, it rises above the life that we live. We're not intimidated by life. We're not uh, controlled by life. Good days, bad days, it doesn't matter. We're strong. We're self-confident. We have a high level of self-worth and value. We're not in the business of pleasing people because our joy comes from God, because we live for Him and please Him in what we do. Uh, it's, it's a free life because nothing controls, only God. Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. So, here's the most important principle uh, that you'll hear this morning. One of the most basic laws of God is that what we do for others is what God will do for us. What we do for others is what God will do for us. This is Mother's Day. We honor our mother and we give her joy. When you give someone else joy, God gives it to you. One of the most basic laws of God is that what we do for others, God will do for us. If we give joy to others, God will give joy to us. If we give joy to others, God will give joy to us. So we live our life as sort of uh, pretty much focused on ourselves. What I want, what I need. What God says, no, 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 no. You think about the people around you and you look for someone that needs encouraged. You look for somebody that isn't real happy and you give them joy. What you do for others, God will do for you. It's a basic law of life. It's as sure as gravity. It works day in and day out. Look for people that you can make happy. Do that, and God will make you happy. Luke six thirty seven. Do not judge, you will not be judged. Do not condemn, you will not be condemned. Pardon, and you will be pardoned. Give, and it will be given to you. Give. Give joy. Give, and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. By your standard of measure will be measured to you in return. That's the law of God. So when you give to those around you, God gives to you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over more than you can hold. Luke 6, 31, treat others the same way you want them to treat you. Matthew 6, 14, if you forgive others, your heavenly Father will forgive you. If you don't forgive others, God won't forgive you. Number 12, the most powerful tool we have to give joy to others are the words that we speak. God created the world by speaking it into existence. And he's created us in his image and in his likeness. The most powerful tool we have in our relationship with people is the words that we speak out of our mouth. Most of you know that I've been diagnosed with Parkinson's for the last seven, eight years. And January 1, I changed some things about my diet and a bunch of you started praying for me diligently and I was exercising. I'm not exactly sure what... Uh, uh, I just know that I'm t 
totally Parkinson's-free now, symptom-wise. I don't have any of the symptoms, consequences of Parkinson's. Last year, during hunting, I fell down so many times, I gave all my hunting stuff away. I thought, I'm done with hunting, I can't do it, it's too risky getting out here on uneven ground, I just can't keep my balance, I fall over too much. Gave it all away. I asked my son Sam the other day, you seen my rangefinder? He said, Dad, you gave it to me. Oh. So, after January 1, when I started feeling better, I went out and bought all new hunting stuff. My wife said, you going through midlife crisis? I said, I think I am. Man, I haven't felt this good for a long time. So I bought me a new bow. I figured, I'm going to buy a new bow, I'll buy the best. So I did a little research. What's the best bow, the fastest bow on the market? And I discovered that the only bow to go over 400 feet a second was a PSC full throttle, so I bought one. Let's get the best, the most powerful. So if you come over to my house, you ask me, I'll show you my new bow. And I also bought a new rangefinder because my son has my old one. And I'm going hunting this year. Uh, archery. In fact, I'm going to hunt for a month. It's our 50th wedding anniversary on the opening day of archery season. Patty is going to go with me. She's going to camp with me for a whole month in the Steens Mountains. Great wife, huh? Yeah, really. Super good wife. So, powerful. Powerful tool. Do you know the most powerful tool you have to give joy to people is the words you speak? Proverbs 16, 24. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, healing to the bones. Proverbs 10, 11, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. Proverbs 15, 4, a gracious tongue is a tree of life. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Proverbs 15, 23, a man has joy in an apt answer. How delightful is a timely word. Proverbs 23, 16, my inmost being will rejoice when your lips speak what is right. Proverbs 25, 11, like apples of gold and settings of silver is a word spoken in right circumstances. Proverbs 27, 9, oil and perfume make the heart glad. So a man's speech is sweet to his friend. Thirteen words that honor others are supernaturally powerful. Words that honor, exalt others are supernaturally powerful. They're supernatural because God works through them in the life of the people that we talk to. When we honor someone with our words, we give them joy. It's a supernatural tool that God has given me to give joy to my wife, to give joy to my children, to give joy to my mother by honoring them with the words that I speak out of my mouth. Deuteronomy 5.16, Honor your father and your mother as the, as the Lord your God has commanded you that your days may be prolonged and that it may, be, may go well with you. That it may go well with you. God will bless you when you honor your mom and your dad. 14, also the most powerful way to make people feel miserable is with our dis disrespectful, critical, judgmental words to them. So, you ever think about the power you have to give joy to a person or to make them feel like dirt? Just to make their day or totally ruin it? You can do that to almost any person in your life simply by the words that come out of your mouth. And we often are careless and thoughtless about what we say and how we talk to each other. And so the principle is solid in the Word of God. You make someone else's life miserable, and God will make your life miserable. You give someone else joy, and God will give you joy. That's the way it works. 
God is a God of systems, a God of sowing and reaping. And understand gravity. Don't jump out of an airplane at 20,000 feet without a parachute because the law of God says you're going to end up being a puddle. Uh, that's just the way it works. Give joy and you will be a happy camper. Take joy and you'll be a miserable person. That's just how it works. Proverbs 16, 27, A worthless man digs up evil while his words are like a scorching fire. Proverbs 12, 18, There's one who speaks rashly like the thrust of a sword. Proverbs 18, 21, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. 15, There are so many unhappy people in the world. So many unhappy people in the world. And many of them are unhappy because they've made others unhappy with their words. But you know the sad thing? It'll never dawn on them that I'm the reason. It's always someone else's fault. It's the weather. It's the government. It's my neighbor. It's my neighbor's dog. There's somebody out there that's the reason for me being unhappy. But the Word of God is clear. God gives joy and He takes it away. And we are the ones who determine which it will be. Most often it's what we give to others. We give them joy, God gives us joy. We take away their joy, God takes away our joy. The law is simple. Give joy, you get joy. Give unhappiness, you get unhappiness. It's not rocket science. It's black and white, cause and effect. You give joy, choose to do that. Choose to do that. Choose not to be mean-spirited, to be critical, to be judgmental. Galatians 6, 7, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, this is what he will reap. It's the law of God. And so, Mother's Day. I'm going to honor my mother, but I ought to do it every day, at least every time I'm around her. Give her joy by the way I speak to her, the way I honor her. My wife is a mom, eight kids, and uh, I had to honor her, love her the way Jesus loves the church. I had to work at giving her joy. I had to work at making her the happiest woman on the planet Earth. And as I choose to do that by the words that I speak, then God will bless me and reward me. And uh, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, that's what you'll reap. It's an easy law to understand, but not so easy to live unless you remind yourself of it often and regularly. What I sow is what I reap. I'll give joy. I'll never take it, and I'll be a happy person. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for saving us. Thank you for sending Jesus to die in our place to pay the penalty of our sin. Thank you that we are going to experience incomprehensible joy when we enter into glory and get our new body. In the meantime, Lord, we can still experience joy in spite of the, the rottenness of this life because you are God. You rise above all those circumstances, and you can fill us full of your joy as we live a life that's pleasing to you. I pray that we would get that, understand it, that we're not victims. We're not victims of our circumstances or the events around us. Our joy level is determined by ourselves by what we do, how we talk. I pray that we would choose to be people who give joy to everyone around us and we would live our life above the circumstances of life, full of joy always. Thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.